Right, morning guys. Uh, it's lovely to be here. Uh, I would say, I was going to say it's lovely to see you all, but I can't. Uh, you can see me, though, uh, so I just, but I know you're there, and I know that you, uh, you're praying for this morning and that you're for me, um, so I hope you can be blessed by what God wants to say to you this morning. I loved what Jared did last week, you know, he had, the, he had his keyboard and he... And I thought, could I do something similar uh, to that? And then I realised that, you know, me dinging a triangle every few minutes uh, whilst I uh, attempted to speak would not be a blessing to you. I was that primary school student. I never really graduated beyond either the triangle or that scrapey wooden thing. Um, so I'm afraid, um, no music whilst I speak. Um, I did also think, well, it's Christmas and we're here at the start of this festive running and the theme is there is a light and I thought well I could be a bit naughty I could do a full-on Christmas sermon now I could go full nativity I could do everything and then that could make Chris and Jared and Andrew whoever's speaking in the next few weeks sweat and think well he's used all the Christmas material now uh, but I thought I wouldn't I thought I'd be well behaved um, but I did want to pick up this idea of there is a light and I'd like to talk a little bit this morning about light and I'm going to title the sermon this morning, The Fog Light of Faith. All will become clear. Excuse the pun. So, um, I've been praying, obviously, which is good to know, um, about what I might bring this morning. What did God really want to say to us here at church? And I thought, well, always God is so faithful. He really reveals things to me through sort of the circumstances I often find myself in. And about three, four weeks ago, we had some really, we had those sort of cold nights where everything, uh, you know, the sky's clear. You can see every star in the sky. Temperatures just drop and there's a certain sort of crispness in the air that speaks of the advent of winter. And we had those nights and what those nights tend to do is they lead to mornings where often the, the ground can be blanketed in a real thick layer of fog. And we had this sort of week where we had these weather conditions and we, we had this thick fog and I set off to work in the morning in the fog and of course you drive that little bit more slowly or carefully negotiating the corners and, and the bends and the junctions and in such conditions you know when it's foggy you, you need help finding your way so you put your headlights on you know so I, I popped my headlights on and I was driving to work and but as, as I sort of went towards Driffield, the, the visibility shrank and it was first I could see 200 metres and then I could see 100 metres and then I could see 50 metres and then it was sort of more 20 metres and 10 metres and you grip the steering wheel that little bit tighter and you sort of lean a bit forward and you, you slow your speed down. And I thought, right, now I, I know what I need to do. I need to turn my fog light on. Now, for me turning the fog light on. I have a dial um, near the steering wheel that turns the headlights on. But to turn the fog light on, you have to pull that dial out. It's a real deliberate action. And I think in a lot of cars, the fog light is almost something separate. You know, you turn your lights on maybe on the stalk, on, the, um, on your steering wheel. But to turn the fog light on, maybe you have to turn it the other way. Or maybe you have a separate button. But the fog light is always a really deliberate action it's something slightly separate so that it can't be accidentally knocked on or off. It's about, it's about saying, right, I need to do this, I'll do it. All right, and that got me sort of thinking, really, because headlights, the primary function of our headlights, whether it's dark, whether it's foggy, is so that we can see where we're going, so that we are safe, so that we know what to do. 
and where to go. And in much the same way, this is what Jesus does for us. It tells us in 2 Timothy 1 verse 10, it tells us about grace and it says, grace that is now being revealed through the appearing of our saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You see, Jesus's birth and then his subsequent death introduces us to the, the truth of the gospel, all right? But that truth is illumination. You know, we, we recognise the truth. But that illumination Jesus brings is intended to illuminate us. And then it moves on in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. It says, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God. Okay, let's say that again. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And the Greek here is photismos, which means an illumination. That's how it translates. But then what that really means is the illumination means the knowledge of the glory of God. You see, God shines and that illuminates us with, with understanding, with recognition, with revelation, that we, we, we take hold of the glory of God. We recognise and understand the glory of God. And, you know, that's, the, that's what the gospel does. Jesus illuminates us with truth. He introduces us to an idea that we have a father who loves us, a father who wants relationship with us, a father who wants to draw close to us. And that that was tough. But Jesus was willing to die that we, that we could have that access, that we could have that relationship. And Jesus illuminates us with that truth. But it talks about that it should shine in our hearts, which moves on to this, this idea and this concept that, that, that we should shine too, that the true understanding and recognising the truth of Jesus makes us shine. And the fire of truth that sits in our heart gives its own light. Now, if you follow my metaphor on a bit, the, the gospel, um, the love of Jesus turns our headlights on, all right? And what is the primary function of headlights? What is their purpose? Well, the purpose of headlights is so that you can see, all right? You get in your car, it's dark, it's foggy, you, you can't see, you wouldn't be safe. You may have an accident, you may cause an accident, so to be safe, you turn your headlights on. And when you turn your headlights on, it means you know what to do. You know where to go, you know? And that should be the influence of the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, the truth that Jesus reveals to us about how God would have us live. That that should influence our lives. It, it enables us to see where we should go, what we should do, how do we get there? How should we act? How should we live? That ultimately the truth of and the understanding and the knowledge of the glory of God should make us think, right, I, I will choose not to behave in that way. I will choose not to say that. Instead, I choose to say this. Instead, I choose to think that. I choose to do this with my life because I want to outwork that truth. You see, the, the, the headlights, the, the illumination Jesus gives us is, is to help us understand how we should live, how we should be. All right, and that truth guides our actions. But I believe it's more than that. 
too. You know, we, we shine, yes, so we understand how to live and live right. But actually also, we shine and we should shine for others. And if I'm honest, I think we need a little bit of um, self-reflection here and a little bit of honesty with ourselves. Because let's take this idea that Jesus illuminates us with truth and with grace and with favour and with forgiveness. And because of that, we, we choose to live our life as a Christian. And as we live our life as a Christian, we decide that we are going to live differently to the world. We're going to act differently. We're going to speak differently. We're going to think differently because we're going to think, act and live and speak in line with the truth of the gospel. And that's fantastic. That's great. Don't get me wrong. You know, hopefully that means our daily actions are righteous actions. Our daily thoughts are righteous thoughts. Our, uh, the things we say to others are encouraging and, and of God. But I sometimes think that as Christians, we can tell ourselves that shining in our lives, the, in our daily actions, living life as God would have us live, helping us navigate our way through life is, is all we need to do. And, and I believe God wants more of us and from us. I think we can sometimes almost use it as a bit of a, a, an evangelistic sort of cop-out, really, um, because I don't know about you, I find evangelism quite hard. Um, uh, you know, I wonder what will people think? Will they accept it? Will they just throw the words away that uh, if I speak to them of God, what, what do I do? And um, I can sometimes go, well, I'll live right. I'll live right and then they'll see Jesus. And if I just live my life as God would intend, then they'll see Jesus and they'll respond and then the responsibility is on them. And um, I think, I think that's, that's a cop-out, you know, and I think I'm guilty of that, you know. Please don't get me wrong. Live your life right. Live your life well. And I believe other people will see that you are different. People will recognise there is something on you that, that they don't have. They will recognise that you carry a joy, you carry a forgiveness, you carry a grace that, that they will be attracted to. But I think, you see, I think they will see it, but will they respond to it? You just living your life in a right way is enough for the casual observer who knows nothing of God to begin to recognise something of God. They will see God. But is your actions, are your actions even, better English, are your actions enough to keep that casual observer safe? They might recognise Christ in your actions and how you live, but is it enough to keep them safe? You see, let me explain that. When you're driving in the fog, your headlights help you. But when you make the intentional step to turn the fog light on, that's an action that actually is not about you. That is an action that is about others. Because the fog light does not benefit you. If, if you were to increase the intensity of the light that you give out in front, actually, sometimes it's less helpful. It, it almost illuminates the fog more and makes it difficult to see. When you pull your fog light on, you, the, the red light at the back of the car lights up and it says to the observer, there's danger here. You know, your actions protect them, all right? But they can see you are near. 
You know, and I think we need to view our actions and how we live our lives. Yes, we need to live right for God because that's what we should be doing. But we also need to make sure that we don't always view our actions through the prism of our own need and the desire of getting it right for God, but also through what others might need too. All right, the, the fog light is for others. And at times in our lives, we can be living right and that's great and people will, will see it. But I believe switching that fog light on brings a, an intensity of truth that will enable them to have a realization that God is for them as well. All right, let me explain. We'll open this up a bit more. In 2 Timothy 1.6, it tells us to fan into flames the gift of God. And what greater gift do we have than the gospel? And, you know, a flame will, will light up, it will heat you. But I believe that God intends here when he says fan into flames the gift of God, that that is also about that being visible to others. You know, I believe living your life as a Christian, living right, uh, using your headlights of faith, um, definitely opens the eyes of an observer to the possibility of Christ. But if we can fan into flames, if we can increase the intensity, if we can switch that fog light on, then we can bring about the realisation that Christ is for others too. You know, let's put it in a Christmas context at the start of December. In, in the nativity, we saw it on the video early on, the actual terms, we, we often use the phrase, phrase light of the world. And we have this idea that Jesus entered the world and illuminates things. And literally it is an illuminating entry into life. You know, we have the star, the nativity, everybody, you know, the wise men follow and so on. You know, Jesus makes this illuminating entry into life. But, but I'm pretty sure Jesus wasn't illuminating things just so he knew where to go. You know, I don't think he was bothered about illuminating his own path. I think Jesus's intention was to illuminate things for others, to light up for others, that they would see it, that they would be drawn to it, and then they would have a realisation that the goodness and the grace of God was for them too. And that's what we're talking about. We're saying, let's live our lives right, that people notice, but when can we increase the intensity? When, we can, when can we fan the flames of our actions that it produces a, a light which others then take hold of themselves. If you think about fog lights, I think if I'm driving into a foggy area and suddenly there's a patch where it gets really thick and I put my fog light on, I can pretty much guarantee the car behind will go, oh, and they'll switch theirs on. And the car behind that will go, oh, and switch theirs on. And we get this almost chain reaction. You see, it's about the illumination being something somebody else grasps and goes, I need this too. All right. Now, Jesus's intention was to eliminate for others that they could see the gospel, accept the truth of the gospel and then take hold of that. That's about the safety of others, the protection of others, the revelation to others. You know, Christmas story is the ultimate evangelical event, you know, and we need to grasp something of that. So I thought, well, how, how do we do this? How do we go about this? And I think there's almost a process through scripture that unfolds. So if we start with John 3 verse 19, it says, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And I think that's the first thing we need to do. We need to acknowledge that we need God. We need to acknowledge where there is darkness. We need to acknowledge where there is sin. We need to acknowledge where we're not getting it right. And we need to understand that 
that God is the light that can banish that darkness. We need to acknowledge we need God. But then 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, we've read it earlier. God made his light shine in our hearts. Okay, we need to welcome God in. All right, and again, that's that photismos, the knowledge of the glory of God. We need to acknowledge what God has for us and, and take hold of that for ourselves. But then in Matthew 5, 16, it highlights our need to be outward looking. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. You see there, that's about shining outward for, for others that others may see. You know, we need to intentionally shine for others in our actions and, and the way we, we, we walk and the things we say that others can begin to recognise that there's something different, that they can begin to recognise God, begin to see how Jesus changes things for people. And then it moves on in Isaiah uh, 49 verse 6. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. You see, that's, that's it. Our purpose is to shine for others, all right? Why? So that others can, can grasp salvation. Take your eyes off your own feet. Take your eyes off looking and just seeing where you're going and, and thinking, well, that's enough, all right? Who needs you? Because we need to light up for them. Literally, light enables the, the eye to see form and colour. With, without light, we're, we're blind. All right, we need to help people see how things really are. Why? Because light with a fog light, it's for their safety. And then finally, in Psalm 119, verse th uh, 130, it says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now, please don't call anyone you're trying to reach simple. Okay, that's, that's not good evangelism. All right, you know, oi, simpleton, you know, come over here, let me tell you about God, this is what you need to know. That's, that's not, that's not going to uh, show the love and grace and compassion I think Jesus would want. But what it's referring to there, this, it's in the simple, it means the people who don't know God, they don't understand God, they just don't grasp any of it because they've maybe never been introduced to it. You see, here the unfolding of your words gives light. All right? What we say, what we do, needs to be more than just making sure we're living a good life. It needs to also unfold and open up God for others. All right? Because the light is for their benefit. All right? So they understand. Because we want them to have their own revelation. Like that chain reaction of fog lights. We want them to go, right, yeah, I grasp something here. I turn mine on too. All right? So for me, that's how we do it. But actually, in a practical sense, what does that look like? What does that actually look like? And I think, for me, I think to really meet the needs of people, to, to meet them with grace, to meet them with compassion, to meet them with love, I think is the greatest form of evangelism we have. I think that is what touches the hearts of people. We live right, but then we also do right by others. So, let me give you an example. In the English language, you may or may not know this, I didn't know this, and then I was reading something over lockdown. In the English language, we have, we've developed loads of words 
and we've lost words too. And most words have a counterpart. So we have words that are positive and words that are negative. So in a scriptural sense, we, we bind and we loose. Yeah? You can inherit and you can disinherit. Okay? So there's these two words and they have counterparts. And they provide some balance. But actually, there are words now that exist in the English language where we only have the negative. And I find that a bit peculiar. Let me, let me open one up. It's my favourite one. Okay? So, um, ruthless. People are ruthless. And maybe we have quite a lot of ruthlessness within our society now. People are out for themselves, people are looking after themselves, people might not care who they trample on or what they do in order to bring about their success. Uh, and there's a, there's a ruthlessness. But the, in the old English, if you head back many years, there was, a, there was a antithesis to ruthless. You could be Ruth. And Ruth literally means compassion. John Milton wrote in a poem, look homeward angel now and melt with Ruth. Melt with compassion. Yeah, we've lost this from the English language. And that, that saddens me that, you know, we've lost compassion from the world in which we live. But I believe as Christians, we can, we can bring compassion. You know, I, that's my favourite because I love Ruth as a character in the Bible and I think compassion, absolutely. You know, and maybe... That's one way we turn our fog light on. We act in faith, we act with compassion. I've, um, many years ago, um, I had a colleague um, just appear at my office door and she knocked on the door and she came in and said, can I speak to you for a minute? And it was a colleague I knew and she knew me reasonably well, um, but I, we'd never really spoken much beyond discussing things to do with work. And she said, can I come in? And I said, yeah, gosh, sit down. And she sat down and, we sort of had some preamble chat and then she suddenly sort of opened up and she was due to have a, a medical procedure that was coming up. It was clearly causing a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety and, and she was quite a stoic individual, um, very uh, regimented and suddenly tears came. Uh, and she was not somebody I'd associate with, with tears. And, and she discussed the issues she was having and um, what was coming up and why that caused uh, anxiety and why she was worried by that. And then she stopped and she just said, I have absolutely no idea why I'm telling you this. Well, I do. I know, because my fog light was on. You know, there was something of compassion that would meet her need at that time. You know, and, and, and God engineered a, a perfect situation that I was able to, to just listen and just speak some words of comfort and encouragement, and, and that was it. But, you see, we, we need to meet society with a bit of Ruth. But there's others as well. There's some awesome ones. You know, we can be disgusted, but who goes around telling everybody else that, you know what, that gusts me. Because gust, we've lost, doesn't exist anymore. That whole thing of going, the, the antithesis to someone saying that's horrible, to saying that's amazing, that's fantastic, that's beautiful. We've lost that. You know, some people disrupt things. Where are the people who are going to get out in society erupt? Who are going to join things together and make things fit and work? You know, people can be inept. We tell people they're inept. We look at people and think they're inept. Well, let's be ept. Let's go out and help people be ept. People might be dishevelled. 
I'd love us to go out as a, as a family of Christians and hevel people. All right, you know, these things just, they've gone. We need to be the antithesis to the, to the negative. And when people are struggling and when people are hurting and when people are suffering, if we can lift our eyes off trying to just live our own life right, because sometimes that's hard enough in itself, but recognise that at times, if we can put that fog light of faith on, that we can have that little bit more intensity in acting how Jesus would have us act, if we can be more Ruth, then we may see others recognise and grasp hold of the truth of Jesus for themselves. You know, can we be intentional? Remember, I went back and I said, you turn your fog light on intentionally. Can we be more intentional with how we are? Not just say, well, I'll live my life right and hopefully others will see. Let's do that, but can we be more intentional with that? All right, so just to, just to finish, when do we need our fog lights on? When it's foggy, I hear you say, in panto fashion. Um, but when is it foggy? It's foggy in very specific conditions. Okay, it's foggy when we have what we call high pressure. All that means is we have very, very cold air and this cold air sinks. And because the air is sinking, we have no clouds. And because we have no clouds, um, any heat escapes into the atmosphere and temperatures drop. And when temperatures drop, fog can form. So we need this high pressure sinking to give us fog. To, to cause a, a, a lack of visibility. So just think that through in a minute. In periods of high pressure, we don't always know what we're doing and where we're going. Doesn't that feel about right? Yeah, when things build up, when pressure builds on us, in whether that's at work or at home or just in, in life in general, I think we're living in a pretty high pressure time now. Yeah, it can be harder to see what you're meant to do and where you're meant to go. Okay? But, that is when we need to light up the most. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever been in a hot air balloon. If you have, I have absolutely no idea why you would do that. Okay, it's absolute madness. It's like, I'll go a few hundred feet up and I'll be stood in a basket, which it just sounds wrong uh, to me. So you may have been in a hot air balloon. If you haven't been in a hot air balloon, you might at some point have uh, enjoyed a Chinese lantern lit the sort of like flame at the bottom, seen that sort of balloon, almost paper balloon fill up and then drift up, okay? You see, because the hot air balloon and the Chinese lantern, both of them operate exactly the same way, okay? But the best conditions to go hot air ballooning or to light a Chinese lantern are during high pressure. Because when all that cold air is sinking and giving us a high pressure area, when you heat up the light inside the, the Chinese lantern, you, 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 you burn the fuel cell, it heats the air, the air becomes lighter, less dense, and it expands. And you have these two different situations. You have high pressure pushing down, but you have this low pressure, this lighter air that rises. And it'll rise faster and higher and be more visible during times of high pressure. And I think we're in one of those times right now. We're in a time where people are experiencing pressure. People don't quite know what to do, where to go, how to be. The visibility is obscured. And now's the time where if we were to light up, I believe that would rise. Our actions, our intentions, 
our words would rise and they'd be visible and others will see. And I believe now is the time for us to act. I believe now is the time for us Christians, we should be looking and saying, right, I've, let me get my house in order. But then what can I do extra? How can I just switch on that a little bit more? If I think back to, for me, a real key time in the, in the journey of uh, new life and then revive was the floods that happened. I mean, those of you who were here might remember that we had these floods across the country and Kingswood particularly was badly affected. And, and as a church, we said, we need to do something in this situation. And we, we made these little hamper packs and we went round and delivered them to the areas. That was a turning point in, in, I believe, the life of the church and how we interacted with the society and the community around us. And it led to so many opportunities and so many brilliant conversations and, and connected people with church in a way they'd never been connected before. A time of real distress, lots of pressure. We chose to light things up. We chose to pull that fog light on, increase the intensity of how we burned and others recognised it and others responded to it. You know, we're in a time of high pressure. Oh, now's the time when our light needs to be seen the most. So let's do it. Let's not just think about it. Let's not just talk about it. Let's do it. You know, let's let Jesus illuminate us with truth. Let's get right. Let's see right. But then let's activate our faith. Let's fan into flames. Let's switch on that fog light. Let's just burn with a little bit more intensity intended for others. Let's be a bit more ruthless. Let's meet others' need. And then within that, I believe there'll be others who recognise and then grasp themselves the truth of the gospel that they can light up themselves. Let's, let's turn the fog light on.